0: Hey guys, and welcome along to another episode of Telecast PH, the Telework PH business process outsourcing podcast, changing the way we look at outsourcing to the Philippines. This is a podcast dedicated to breaking through the cultural barriers in outsourcing to the Philippines. Here you're going to find some business advice from leaders in many different industries, some motivational and mindset content, and I'll show you the benefits of outsourcing some of the non-core aspects of your business, like customer support or back office operations, and how outsourcing can open up a whole new world for you and your business. And in return, you'll be helping our mission to make an impact on poverty in the Philippines. I'm BizDev Jeff, your host. Thanks for joining. And as always, a special thank you to all who have been listening and following my content on LinkedIn and Instagram. And you can find me on both of those platforms by just searching the hashtag BizDevJeff. And if you want to find out more about TeleworkPH and how outsourcing can open up new avenues for you and your business, just hop on over to www.teleworkph.com. Today's episode features an amazing conversation with Teresa Quinlan, who's an emotional intelligence or EQ expert. Now, she provides coaching sessions as well as seminars, webinars, and workshops, and she is definitely someone you want to contact and find out more about. I got a lot of great takeaways from this conversation, and if you're building a leadership team or you have an existing leadership team, I'm sure you will too. Let's listen in. Hey guys, today we have a special guest and one that I've wanted to have on the podcast for some time because her field of expertise is directly related to what we do here at Telework PH. Teresa Quinlan is here to talk about soft skills and EQ or emotional intelligence and how that's necessary for the customer support role to be successful. Teresa is an expert and thought leader in the field so I'm excited to have her with us today. Teresa, thanks for being here.
1: Hey, Jeff, thanks for having me. I'm really honored to be part of your podcast discussion and your audience.
0: Uh, do you want to go ahead and give us a little bit about your background and what brought you into this field?
1: For sure i you know emotional intelligence my own personal journey within my own emotional intelligence started in my early twenties. I was struggling in a particular relationship with my mother, and um, emotionally, I was not behaving very well so With her in particular, I would have sort of these outbursts and other members of my family and my friends, they'd look at me a little sideways going, what is wrong with you? And, you know, sometimes I would shrug my shoulders or throw my hands in the air and just go, I I don't know. I, I realize I'm behaving so poorly with her. And after a few times of hearing myself respond in that way, I thought, well, that's kind of bullshit. And you know, and pardon the language, but no, fine. I, I really could totally control it. I really could do something about it. I was just before that moment of realization choosing not to do anything about it. So I started my journey. I went to the bookstore, I encountered one book after another, and this led me towards Travis Bradbury's work in emotional intelligence and Daniel Goleman. And then I started working in the field of learning and development, and leadership programming, and adult learning. And we were recognizing within our leadership training that a lot of leaders were coming back to training saying that they were having a hard time executing on the processes and skills that they learned under time management or crucial accountability, having difficult conversations, strategic thinking. They were really struggling in these areas and after kind of digging in a little bit with them and figuring out why, it was because they were lacking the underlying emotional intelligence skills to step into those conversations. They weren't able to self-identify the emotion and regulate it in order to problem solve, in order to demonstrate empathy, in order to be assertive. So they were really struggling in some critical personal skill development to actually lead. And coming back to the course wasn't gonna help. And so we became, at the company I was working with, I was leading the learning and development department. We all became certified in emotional intelligence as coaches. And we started implementing it into our practices, and I recognized, wow it's incredibly impactful to people's overall performance and about a year ago, I decided to leave corporate and start this as the full time thing that I did because it was just bringing me so much joy to do it
0: so it became your passion and and the entire entire process started with your own you know self discovery and your own um, you know taking that hard look at yourself
1: I, I figured that if If it has done this much for me and allowed me to get over some really critical hurdles that I had, that it could definitely do that for other people.
0: So you're able to bring that personal experience, you know, to your coaching sessions, to your speaking, you know, and, and to whomever you decide to pass this message on to
1: hmm. Whether that be in like your personal life and relationships with friends or families, peers and co workers, whether that be because you're in a leadership role, you're running a department, you're leading a company. Yeah.
0: Amazing. So can you go ahead and just define uh, for people that may not know what exactly is emotional intelligence?
1: hmm. It's about crying a lot more. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I like to make that joke because when people hear the word emotional, they get a little antsy. and Like, oh, can we call it something else? Do we have to use that word? Yes, we have to use that word. Just remember, it's partnered with the word intelligence. And then maybe we can look at it as a package. Emotional intelligence is in a nutshell, Identifying and understanding our emotions and then learning how to use them effectively so that we can build strong relationships, problem solve, collaborate, innovate, manage our stress, collectively be more successful. There's this element within, you know, the world of emotional intelligence where, where people people sort of forget that they are skills. Like what you said at the beginning in the introduction is you called them hard skills and sometimes we call things Sorry, you call them soft skills. Sometimes we call things hard skills, soft skills, technical skills. These are just skills, and they're skills within the realm of our emotional intelligence. And when people that I work with, especially executives, start to look at the model that I'm practicing, they start to see words like assertiveness, independence, Interpersonal relationships, reality testing, problem solving, impulse control, stress tolerance, flexibility, these are not necessarily emotional words in and of themselves. And so what I really like in people's individual breakthroughs with emotional intelligence is that it's about gaining skills we don't currently have that more often than not help us to leverage our IQ so we know when to use our intelligence and helps us to leverage elements of our personality when sometimes that personality trait can be derailing.
0: So now that makes, that makes perfect sense. And I would think that the first step of course, with any problem that, but the first step would be that person identifying and accepting the fact that, that they say they have or need work on their impulse control or their empathy, or their understanding of others, or even understanding of themselves. They have to first make that, that, uh, that connection with themselves and say, yes, you know what, I have this issue.
1: Mm-hmm. They have to have, be in like growth mindset mode. You can't be closed mindset if you're looking to grow, develop, and stretch outside of your current comfort zone. Um, the power of feedback, mm-hmm. sometimes other people will let us know that we've got things we need to be better at. And if we're willing to listen to those kinds of things and really self-reflect, then we have tremendous opportunity to grow and develop.
0: These skills that we're speaking of, then you think, um, or is it in your opinion that they can be taught to anybody?
1: Yeah, 100%. They can be taught to anybody. And after working with you know, just over 100 people now, one-to-one with their emotional intelligence, I can attest that. Yes, anybody can learn them no matter their starting point, because for some individuals that I'm working with, they have very low level skills in certain areas. And a lot of what is the barrier is a lot of what is the barrier is Number one, they're stressed. People are way too stressed out and they're not managing it really well. And as soon as they get that under control, then some of these other skills automatically start to be better because emotionally they're in a healthier place. But oftentimes, there's just a a misdiagnosis of what the skill actually means. An example of that is empathy and assertiveness. These words are thrown around a lot, a lot in business, a lot in workplaces, a lot in articles you're reading about being better as a contributor or a leader. Mm -hmm. And yet, what people define empathy and assertiveness as are, are almost completely wrong. And so when we get into the space of leadership and we think about Or we get into the space of customer support and we think about, well, what is empathy? Empathy is recognizing, understanding, appreciating how someone else is feeling. It's being able to articulate your understanding of their perspective and then behaving in a way that's respectful of that understanding. It doesn't mean I agree with them. And that's where people get empathy wrong is they feel like they have to agree with them. Assertiveness is not me going in and demanding my personal rights demanding my personal values saying what I need to say and then you know dropping the mic and walking away that's aggression. Right. Assertiveness is me doing it in doing those things in a way that's non-offensive non-destructive so as soon as we now see empathy and assertiveness living in balance with each other we see exceptional conversation we see problem solving we see decision making we see people being able to have a conversation and strengthening the relationship rather than what we might be seeing right now is people going at it in a very unbalanced way. And so we have relationships are destroyed and problems don't get solved. And, you know, it just sucks.
0: Right. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Uh, See, cause we at at, telework pH, we do invest, um, into soft skills training, um, you know, we do workshops and, and everything. So from, from your angle, when it comes to customer support, because we, that's what we do, we do customer support, you know, tech support. Um, what do you think is the biggest hurdle uh, for a customer support team when it comes to emotional intelligence? Is it empathy? Is it assertiveness? What, what, in your opinion, in your experience, what, what have you seen that, that is, is the biggest hurdle?
1: Mm. Right out of the gates, emotional self-awareness. It's one of the foundations of emotional intelligence. So we have to be able to recognize and understand our own emotions. So when we're experiencing them, Mm -hmm. am I frustrated right now? Am I annoyed right now? Am I angry right now? Am I um, pleased right now? What am I emotionally experiencing? And then once I identify that emotion, that's always going to be attached to my belief system, my value system, my biases and my judgments. So self-awareness is being able to recognize that whole spectrum and realize that I could have an emotional experience based on what someone else has said has said that's driven by a belief or a value of my own. And if I am not aware that that is what's in the driver's seat right now, then I might get emotionally charged, which means my rational, logical thought processing is not present. And so then I behave in a way that is destructive or avoidant.
0: Right, so I mean that, you know, when you get that angry customer because you're not processing your, your own emotions, you're gonna take that a little bit harsher, that, you know, if you get that, that somebody on the phone that's, that's angry, frustrated, and they're angry with the situation, but you know, that customer support person may take it personal and then either lash out, hang up, you know, and, and not uh, be able to handle that phone call or even that email. Um, in the proper way and to be able to do the job effectively.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's a great point. Someone yells at me. Now I have a belief system that when someone yells at me or raises their voice, that means they don't like me. And all of a sudden now I'm feeling like I've got to um, put some armor on, or I've got to like shy away. I've got to put survival mode on. And when I'm in survival mode, my amygdala is firing off (laughs) flight freeze fight. And I, cannot logically respond out of those things so i do things irrationally now i'm emotionally driving all over the place and so if we can catch those things very early we do it by learning like oh when someone starts to yell at me that means i got to dial up my empathy i got to really listen to what they're saying and then i'm gonna seek to understand by asking some questions because they're yelling at me is not about me they're upset people get upset it's okay i don't have to absorb it i don't have to take it on what I got to do is help them solve the problem.
0: Right, that's what I, I always tell the agents. I'm like, they're not yelling at you; they're mm-hmm. yelling at the situation.
1: Mm-hmm. You,
0: you just happen to be in the way of them <laughs> yelling at the situation, you know. Uh,
1: but sometimes, Jeff, it feels like they're yelling at me.
0: Oh, I, I've, I've been there. I've been there. I, yes. I started on the. Uh, you know, I, I didn't. I didn't come to the BPO industry until I was uh, 45 years old, and. I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. And, you know, I get on the phone and, and right away people just started yelling at me and I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. and of course my, my first reaction is like, look, dude, it's not my fault. Okay. But you know, calm down. Um, and so I, I had to take a lot of, you know, a look at myself and, and stop. And as you said, realize when I was frustrated, once, once I'm frustrated, once I'm tired, I'm, I'm useless. Mm-hmm. there's the, you know, there's really nothing I can do. If somebody says one sideways word to me, um, you know, I, I, I tend to lash out. So mm-hmm. that's some work that I've had to do on myself. Um, and that's another reason why I was excited to have you on and we can talk about this. Um, so yeah, that, that first step is to begin to recognize those emotions in yourself, not in other people. So that empathy begins within us and, and realizing it's time to make this quick shift, Um, Yeah, this person's on the line. They're yelling, they're screaming, they're angry, they're frustrated, they're upset, they've spent a lot of money, it's not working, whatever. You know, we can pretend to understand. um, Or we can realize, hey, you know, let's take this internally a little bit, make a shift in ourselves and say, you know, like you said, what are they actually saying? And let's, let's break through all of this aggression that that they're throwing at me and figure out how we can make it better.
1: Yeah. And, you know, sometimes there can be this um, notion that that comes at a cost that I have to take their abusive behavior. And no, that is definitely not. Emotional intelligence doesn't mean we sit back and let people be assholes to us. It does mean that sometimes we have to set those boundaries. We And this is what assertiveness is. Assertiveness would, would be acknowledging that someone is terribly upset and terribly angry and acknowledging that, we want to help them and then setting the boundaries for helping. I am so invested in helping find a solution to your problem. Can we do that in a way that is respectful to each other? You've got to call them on their behavior sometimes because you want to help. But if someone keeps behaving in this way, it's going to be difficult for me to help.
0: We had this one agent. She's no longer with us because um, she went off to have a family good for her so it's unfortunate for us she was a great agent and I do remember this is back when I was a team leader she nothing would rattle her and she Mm -hmm. just had this natural ability to handle any phone call and you know uh, I I would always tell the agents I'm like you know if if anybody's cussing at you or getting you know aggressive or using fouling or whatever let me know you know and then I'll hop in the call and listen to see if we can't calm them down but so she messages me and she says, you know, Hey Jeff, can you, can you hop on this call? This guy's having a really bad day, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay. So I, I get in the call. I mean, he's just, uh, he's, you know, just, you know, just abusive. I mean, he was shouting insults at, at her insults at me, insults at the company and everything else. I mean, eventually, yes, I did have to cut him off. You know, I mean, there's, he wasn't going to calm down no matter what we said. Um, so later on, uh, around her break time i i messaged her and um i say you know hey are you okay she's like yeah i'm fine i said, I, you know that didn't upset you at all he's like nah he he'll calm down he'll call back and we'll get his problem fixed so do you find people that just have that that natural talent or ability to be able to to do this kind of position
1: absolutely there are all sorts of skills that we have learned throughout our life and when we look at emotional intelligence they are sets of skills so when someone works with me and undergoes their emotional intelligence profiling what i always see is i see long bars which means heavy strength (laughs) this is an area that they've developed and whether it was how they were raised personality experiences that they've had in the past job experiences education, all of these things will contribute to our skill set. And some of those skills are within emotional intelligence. So what we can do in workplaces is we can, we can profile for the emotional intelligence skills for a particular position. So if you know, in customer support, you need to have strengths in stress tolerance, empathy, assertiveness, impulse control, problem solving, then you can start, you could, workplaces could even start using emotional intelligence profiling as part of their candidate interview process to see do you have the underlying emotional intelligence skills that will be required for you to execute on customer support um, tasks at hand
0: what kind of um like exercises uh you know and without giving away any of your trade secrets um (laughs) you know but i mean what what would you recommend for somebody to do something like you know if they if they see that they have an immediate problem um what kind of exercises do you think that that they could start to do um and then give you a call for a for a session obviously um would like meditation deep breathing uh, right, uh you know doing some some writing about their own emotions what uh what would you suggest
1: well those are great ones right out of the gates <laughs> Yeah, those are great things So, you know, a lot of the times, the first thing I have people do is acknowledge the level of stress and balance they're achieving in their life. Because when we are more balanced in life, we typically respond to stressful things in a much more logical, uh, healthy way. So we want to sort of, we want to amp up our well-being. And there are four horsemen to well being. The first one is self regard. It's knowing what our strengths are, it's knowing what our weaknesses are, it's acknowledging those kinds of things. So, a very simple sort of journaling exercise is just write out your survival list. Like, what are all of the things that you have overcome and done and achieved in life? Because oftentimes, when we're in the thick of our experiences, they sometimes seem insurmountable and we have to harness all of our powers and our strengths and our talents to overcome them. And as soon as we overcome them, we're kind of like, well, that wasn't so bad. And we kind of minimize it a bit. Mm -hmm. And when we minimize it, we're we're really sort of doing a disservice to our own level of esteem and confidence. And that's really necessary in life is to really know our arenas of strength and play to those arenas as much as possible. And then take a look at those weaknesses and, and grab that, Grab those bulls by the horn and decide to close some gaps and weaknesses because this is the second horse horsemen of our well-being is self-actualization. It's our pursuit of our growth and our development and and things that really enrich our life. And so, when we have areas of weakness that we know that are derailing us, if we seek out development around those things and we're learning we're constantly growing, that feels really good. We're coming into our own self-actualization. Our life becomes more fulfilling and enjoyable and so we're reaching a higher level of satisfaction or happiness. And so when we think about self-actualization, that really is just like sign up for a course, listen to a podcast, um, learn a new skill, tap into hobbies that you haven't been tapping into and do those kinds of things that bring you that enjoyment. The third piece is around interpersonal relationships. So, this is the skill of having and developing relationships that are mutually satisfying and they are built on compassion and trust. And when we think about day to day life, we probably can't go too far before we encounter another human being. And those encounters can make or break our days. And so, One thing that we have to look at when it comes to our overall sense of well-being and success is taking a look at the quality and harmony that exists within our relationships and deciding. So an exercise we would do is we would list all of the people that are important in our life and decide where do I need greater harmony and how am I going to go about doing that? it's mutual satisfaction. So it's give and take in relationships and each person brings 100% of themselves. I don't bring 50 and you bring 50 and we make 100. That doesn't work. We both have to bring 100 into it. So how can I make consistent deposits of trust into someone else's relationship bank with me? So they know I've got their back. They know I'm there to support them. They know that I care about them. And we might do this for our personal relationships, but we need to do this in our professional relationships because this is our family. We are there with them eight, nine, 10 hours a day. They are the people we see on the regular basis. The strength of the relationships with them makes it a lot easier to endure the in and out of our days that are difficult. And then the fourth piece is our optimism. It's, the positive attitude, the outlook on life, it involves remaining sort of hopeful, resilient, despite occasional setbacks. And exercises and optimism is catching yourself thinking about the, oh my God, that sucks. And then taking the downward spiral and stopping yourself in the action and going, wait a minute in this moment, am I okay? Yes, all is good. And what is the best case scenario? Let's think of, where is the hope? Where is the positivity? Where is the silver lining? What can I learn from this experience? And those are the those are a few exercises that can start to turn us towards greater levels of emotional intelligence, greater levels of well being.
0: I really like that last part. Um, that one really hits home with me because um, I know from my own personal uh, you know struggles in life it's been changing the thought process and it, and it is stopping mm-hmm. when you, because I don't know if it's natural for everybody to, you, you know, you jump straight to the negative. Oh, that's, that's ugly. Or, you know, I don't like this or whatever. And, you know, even doing like doing this podcast, I, I wonder, Oh, can I do this? You know, and, and I, that mm-hmm. self doubt. And, and I remember uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer, who's one of my, my personal heroes, he says, uh, or, you know, he used to say, uh, unfortunately he passed away. Um, if you think you can't do it, you're right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I mean, that's, it's a profound statement. <laughs> you know, it really mm-hmm. is. If you think you can't do something, then you're right. You can't, as long as you're thinking that way. Um, what now, what about ego? You know, you know, those people that have like the really high, they think they're the general manager of the universe and, yeah. and, uh, you know, they're just walking around. They, they cannot accept responsibility. They can never say sorry, um, you, you know the the type I 'm talking about, right? Yes, have you encountered anyone like that? i mean where you are you able to to break through them or is it really is, is this one of those things where um, like alcoholism where you know you can't help those that don't want to get help
1: well i've worked with organizations that have chosen where maybe one person has made the decision or two people have made the decision to bring emotional intelligence in for a group of people. And now 10, 15, 20 willing and unwilling participants are now part of the journey. So I have encountered individuals that, You know, in our first encounter, they have their arms crossed, they're sitting back in their chair and they're like, tell me why I should be working with you. Tell me why this is important. Tell me why. Tell me why. And I'm like, I don't really need to tell you why, because you could just Google why. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you tell me what you're experiencing that you want to be better at or do differently or have improvements in? And sometimes there's silence for a couple of minutes and I'm okay with silence. Most other people are not, uh, which generally means they'll break the silence first and say something. And nine times out of 10, there is something they want to work on. There is something they want to be better. And the first thing that comes out of their mouth isn't it. That doesn't happen until usually the third or fourth session. So we do this dance. We do this dance around surface things until what is absolutely necessary happens is We've built trust. They now trust me. They now see that I'm not coming at them with judgments or assumptions on the vulnerability they're going to need to express because they are the ones who have to tell me what it is that they want to shift. And if they're not ready to shift, they won't say anything. But if they don't trust me that they can be vulnerable to say what it is, they also won't say anything.
0: Now with the, uh, the emotional intelligence and and everything that we're speaking about today you you've touched points on you know relationships and business um customer support a lot of things um so it pretty much it, it can it can have an impact on every every aspect of life um spirituality what about things like addiction like smoking or uh you know uh, coffee or you know any any kind of addiction that somebody would want to Give up? Is this something that they could also use to help them, you know, break these habits, these destructive habits?
1: Well, I don't know about that because I'm, I mean, I'm not in the world of addictions and addiction practices. But this is what I do understand about self-soothing versus self-care. So when we have adopted practices that are self-soothing, it's generally because we are uncomfortable with the emotion we're experiencing. And so we want to soothe in a way that allows us to avoid that emotional experience. And sometimes our self-soothing choices can be uh, addictive in their nature. Um, There's also addictions that just come from psychosomatic and from trauma and, you know, emotional intelligence does not leap over the chasm of now working with individuals who've encountered trauma. That's for professionals in the world of psychology and psychiatrists.
0: Right. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are the, what are the biggest benefits or the results? Um, Maybe, maybe if you have, you know, in your own personal life, you know, better relationships, uh, better sleep, or is it Mm -hmm. just an overall, you know, just better quality of life?
1: Yes to all of those things. It's better everything. So you just put the word better in front of everything you could imagine and that's what ends up happening. From my personal experience but then also from professional experience working with other people, I generally ask them um, every two to three weeks, what have you noticed has shifted for you? And right out of the gates most people are like, I just feel better. I feel better because I feel much more in control and and i usually correct them because it isn't more control it's greater awareness they're developing awareness which gives them a greater sense of control because they're not flying off the handle they're paying attention and so the first thing as an outcome is people's well-being improves and well-being is also called happiness and emotional intelligence so it's just like when you decide to start working out the, the first thing that happens is people aren't like, I'm losing weight and I'm like 50% stronger and, you know, or I've lost 20 pounds or something like that. The first thing people say is I feel better because I'm exercising. When you start working on your emotional intelligence, the first thing you start to feel is better. Your happiness starts to improve. And that is because your emotional functioning is starting to improve. As you become more aware of your emotions and your triggers to those emotions, then you start to regulate those emotions better, which means you're allowing yourself to process them because you're paying attention to your belief patterns, you're understanding your values, you're understanding your personality. This is the work that we do together. And I help clients connect the dots to all of these things to have a greater knowing of themselves. That greater knowing must come with acceptance that this is who I am right now. And if I want to do differently, then I need to take the path that allows me to be differently. So I'm going to learn some skills that help me to balance parts of my personality. Like I'm uber competitive. And so if I'm not mindful of that uber competitiveness, I will go out and play croquet with my nieces and nephews and crush them and do this celebratory dance that an adult should not be doing in front of children. (laughs) You know, I'll just, And so I have to balance that competitiveness with relationships, with sensitivity, be emotionally self-aware. And so I dial up some certain skills in situations that are under the realm of emotional intelligence to balance those out. And that helps me to emotionally function better, which allows me to socially function better. So when I'm interacting with other people, I get great results in interacting with other people. People start walking away from emotionally intelligent individuals going, I'm better having spent that time with them. I feel better. They helped me. They feel that impact. My vibrational energy is different because of what they just said or did, or they didn't even say anything. And I feel better having spent that time with them. And then the, the third or fourth component people will notice is their performance goes up. So in the workplace, we're knocking it out of the park.
0: That's yeah, that now that one there is, is one that uh, I think a lot of people are going to pay attention to <laughs> as well. Um, now you, you hit the nail on the head with something for me. I'm, I'm highly competitive mm-hmm. um, and, and I compete with people who are not even competing with me. Um, I, I compete with them myself. Now I'll take, I'll give you a, for instance. And then maybe now I know there's no quick fixes. I mean, obviously yep. it's like with any therapy, it takes a lot of time to break through paradigms, to break through years of layers of ego and whatnot. Um, I don't know why I'm so competitive. I just, I, 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 since I'm, I was a kid um, I've just been this way. I have to be the best. And if I don't uh, or if I'm not the best, I don't stop and then I, I I get depressed, but at any rate, I mean, I'm, you know, not I'm in bed depressed, like, you know, clinical depression. I just, I get upset. I shouldn't use that word depressed, but um, so let's just, let's just say, you know, I, I get on LinkedIn and I, for some reason, choose one person that I keep seeing their posts and they're getting a lot of engagement. They're getting a lot of views. They're getting a lot of likes and I'm posting similar content and I'm not getting anything so now I'm getting upset with this person I want to beat this person up not physically but you know what I'm saying you know mm-hmm. um, I, I, I'm in this secret competition with this person that they don't even know who. they don't even know I exist um, what, what kind of advice would you give you know something like that for you know I mean that's obviously not a good behavior for me uh, yeah keep experiencing over and over
1: yes There's an opportunity for self exploration. You know, we learn the most when we take a moment to go inward and ask ourselves some questions, you know, competitive being the best is, is this personality? Is this values based? How was I raised that might be contributing to this? How does this serve me? Well, how does it not serve me? Well, what do I want to do about it? Why am I competing? Why do I need to be the best? Like, what does that mean to me? Some, Sometimes a lot of our emotional intelligence work is we have to go internal and explore these kinds of questions. I remember when I was young and I would say to my parents, I'm bored. Well, generally I'd say to my mom and my mother would say, go outside, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like get out of the house, go and do something. And I had three siblings, so I could have been doing something with them, but I was bored probably because I didn't want to do something with them and nothing else was going on. And so like, I'm bored. And when I went outside, there was also no one around, but being outside provided an opportunity for me to just be alone by myself. And a lot of us don't have or aren't spending enough time alone with ourselves. This is when we unpack and learn who we are and then why we are, what we're doing, why we're doing those kinds of things. And so, so to answer your particular question, I don't have a specific answer for you, except the internal exploration will reveal your, your answer for you. Everything you need to solve this is within you.
0: Love it. And I guess, I mean, I know that those are, there's a lot of steps that uh, I have to take. And every day there's always little reminders um, in my life that I have work to do. You know, I always say that to myself when I, when I, when I get angry with my kids. You know, I have I have two young children. My boy just turned nine years old. My daughter's five, and they are you know, they fight with each other. They're noisy, or they're running in and out. And of course, you know, I get frustrated. I get irritated, especially when I'm working on something. And you know, I, I may lash out at them sometimes. You know, and and it just I always stop and I think you know this is a reminder that I have work to do on myself mm-hmm. uh, because they don't deserve that. They're just kids. They're just being kids. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they're doing what kids do, and they're doing exactly what they know how to do Mm
1: -hmm. to your point reframing reframing is an exceptional way for personal growth so when you say i've got reminders going on that are allowing me to reframe what i'm experiencing in this moment we can look at it from one perspective the one we might be stuck in or we can reframe and try and look from another perspective Instead of this is happening to me, asking ourselves, this is happening for me. What's the lesson? What am I supposed to be learning here? And all of a sudden, when we start to shift our thoughts, and many people might need visual reminders of these kinds of questions that we've, these kinds of statements or questions that you and I have thrown out during this discussion, many people may have gone, oh my God, where's my pen and paper? I want to write that one down. Mm -hmm. They can always go back and re-listen to this podcast again they may need those visual reminders up because as you practice growing and expanding your perspective, you need visual reminders to break your current habits of thinking and start to adopt new ones. A practice of mine, I would use my bathroom mirror and I would use sticky notes on my computer and I would use sticky notes beside the coffee maker wherever I would need them. So I was constantly seeing them because my my thought processes everyone's belief system are so deeply deeply ingrained and it doesn't change overnight it takes a little bit of work we have to give ourselves permission to grow the expectation of you know if i just decide some people can quit smoking cold turkey other people need the patch the gum slow withdrawal and then they're off of it in a year a year and a half Some people in their emotional intelligence can say, I'm just not going to yell. I'm going to decide here and now I'm quitting cold turkey. And they can do that. Other people need the visual reminders. They need the exercises of constant reflection. They need to journal. They need gratitude. They need more things because their journey is just going to look a little different.
0: Those are great points. And, And they really are. And it's important that people do understand that there's not one Uh, shoe fits or you know one size fits all Mm -hmm. on on these journeys that everybody has a different journey everybody has you know a different experience you know like like zig ziglar says no one is more uh intelligent or smarter than anybody else everybody's just had a different experience so i'm assuming that you know when it comes to emotional intelligence and we and we reach these certain ages um where you know our intellect or whatever has has been formed. Um, everybody's had a different a different life, mm-hmm. different experiences, and a different journey throughout. So, what types of services do you offer? Speaking seminars, um, webinars. What 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 is it that you that you offer?
1: I offer all of those things in any sort of package sizing. So generally when I work with an organization, we're looking at organizational transformation and that usually involves executive one-to-one EQ 360. So we're looking through the lens of not just the individual's perception of their emotional intelligence, we're also looking at raters assessing their emotional intelligence, so their peers, their direct reports, their friends and family, their, their clients, their stakeholders. And then I worked in one-on-one development with their own personal skills. And then I work with the executive team and teaching them how to work together more effectively as an executive team. I do the same with leaderships and groups, one-to-one and group work together. I do workshop events, one-day workshop events, two-day workshop events, virtual workshop events, because currently we're experiencing uh, a shift in how we need to work. And I have uh, my signature program is called leadership excellence or the which is leadership excellence through emotional intelligence. And it combines self assessments with group learning in, in critical leadership topics like change management, expectations, accountability, time management, you name it. And then I do, I love doing speaking engagements. So I love being at lunch and learns, or I love being within conference environments and just spreading the wealth.
0: So if somebody wants to book a call with you or, um, you know, speak with you in a call about, uh, about your services, how can they get a hold of you? What's all the best of my way?
1: Information. Yeah, Jeff, thanks. All of my information is on my website, uh, www.iqeqtq.com.
0: Great. I'll put, the, I'll put all the links um, to your LinkedIn and everything else in the description for the podcast so to make it easier uh, for the listeners to just go ahead and get a hold of you um, especially if it's an emergency situation.
1: Um, (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Emergingly emotional intelligence. (laughs) That would be fantastic.
0: Well, Teresa, it has been a pleasure having you on. And, um, I've got some great takeaways from this conversation. Um, you've given me a lot to think about and I hope you've given our listeners a lot to think about too. And, um, I'd love to have you on again sometime in the future to talk about some updates and, and see how uh, everything's going and, and uh, have a, another great discussion.
1: Thank you for having me, Jeff. It was a wonderful conversation.
0: It really was. And thanks again, and, and we'll talk to you soon. Right. So that will wrap it up for this installment of Telecast PH. I've been BizDev Jeff, and a very special thank you to Teresa Quinlan for joining us today. Now, if you like this podcast, please subscribe. And if you're on the YouTube channel, I'd appreciate it if you would like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you'll be notified when I upload new content. And I'm always looking for great feedback, so comments are welcome. And of course, if you want to find out more about PH, all you got to do is hop on over to www.teleworkph.com or hit me up in LinkedIn. Just search the hashtag BizDevJeff. And as the late, great Dr. Wayne Dyer said, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. Take care, everyone. Be safe. This is BizDev Jeff, signing off.